Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Keith Watch Podcast. It's essential like your breakfast. It will get you up and going, learn some things you didn't know Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Give you energy like buck fast And if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle It's the Keith Walsh Podcast, yeah Good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening This is Newbridge, County Kildare calling How are you? How's things? Um... A couple of things on the podcast tonight. I'm going to start off the podcast by reading out a letter of correspondence that I received from a loyal listener. And then I will get on to my chat with this week's, this day's, uh, what day is it? It's the, the 9th of the 11th, 2020. It's Monday night. And uh, my guest on this episode, episode 24, is Eric Cody, the singer and activist. And uh, yeah, we'll get on to her in a little while, but I wanted to read this out and I'm going to have to, I have to be very careful because a listener got in touch with me. And if you'd like to get in touch with me and you'd like to send me in a, a letter or if you if you think I can help you with something, uh, keithwalsh.walsh at gmail.com is the email address or keithwalshpod at gmail.com either of those will get me they all come into the same place but this person um, and the person is a female person but I have to try and keep try and keep the identities as vague as possible so I'll call her Katrina it was very difficult to make up a fake name took me a while I was going to call her Bianca and he changed it at the last minute to Katrina. Still not sure, but it'll do for now. Anyway, I might, uh, I've printed this out and I've kind of gone through it, but I might just take my time just in case. I don't want to give anything away, so there will be a little bit of reading and scanning as I go. This is from Katrina, formerly Bianca. Uh, not her real name. As you can see by the title of this email, I am in love with a man. And I could do with some Keithy guidance. Well, thank you very much, Katrina, formerly Bianca. Before I launch into talking about me, I'd like to talk about you. Thank you for your podcast for the past few months. They've been rays of sunshine on cloudy days, and I just love them. I've recommended them to so many people. The guests you've had on have been great and have such interesting stories and perspectives on life slash things um, I feel like I've learned a lot and have had a really good giggle too I love how open minded, honest, kind and positive you are oh shucks 
Uh, you've inspired me. So basically, I think you're a pretty all-round <laughs> awesome Keith. Um, and she continues on, so she so she reckons I might be able to help. Long story short, she starts. I met a man. We're going to call this man the lovely lad. Earlier this year. Um, let's just skip that. He lived in the same place. We we lived in the same place. We lived together, not together, but in the same town, large town. Um, but for the first lockdown, he went back to his home place. So we were video calling, phoning, and messaging, etc. This is a universal story, I'd imagine. It's a case of true lockdown love, right here. Things were going very well and plans for his return to the place where I was living. Uh, it was all very exciting. And then something happened. And she does tell me what happened, but I can't get into this um, incident. But something happened it affected him and his family. And... It was, it was bad. I can't get into the details, but just trust me. But it's not necessarily, it's necessary that you know that something happened. Um, but you don't really need to know the details. We carried on speaking over the next month, and he spoke a little bit about how he was feeling, but really struggled to talk about it properly. I think I was his escapism, and I was just happy to support in any way that I could. I did really struggle with what to say or how to react. He kept saying that he didn't think it had hit him yet or really sunk in. And he changed his plans to come back to where I'm living. Um, so, yeah. So the plans to come back had changed, so he, he, he cancelled plans to come back. And he had obviously decided to stay where his family was. Um, at one stage, he seemed to take a bit of a turn and began to close up more. Uh, I could tell that he was really suffering. He came back to meet me, to sort some things out with work, and to clear out his room before heading back to where his family live for a while. We had an amazing time together and although he was clearly in a bad way there was also flashes of the person I knew. We made lots of nice plans and discussed the future. He even said he was going to take me to a better not mention that and a tour of the better not mention that. Everything was very positive between us. We had a great connection. Then a few days later he seemed to close down again and said He's, I'll just put it this way, he was just trying to explain it like he couldn't share his life with anybody else and needed this time for himself. Uh, completely understandable but also gutting for me as I'd hoped we could work through this awful situation together and I adore him. I asked him if, asked him if it was also partly to do with me which he completely and wholeheartedly refuted 
that's my I'm paraphrasing that because I don't want to get into the specifics of it. Um, he could have just he he could just be being polite, and in fact it is me. But I feel like this comment was genuine and honest, and that his feelings for me hadn't changed. I explained a little bit about how I felt about him, but I also knew I needed to respect his decision of needing some time, and to give him some space, without putting any pressure on him. We briefly messaged for a while after that, um, but he wasn't very chatty, so I decided to give him complete space for a couple of months to let him get himself together. This broke my heart, and I can't lie, there have been lots of tears. Tears for him, tears for his family, tears for the loss of our relationship. I miss him very much. I feel so guilty for thinking of myself and how I feel about things, but it's all hurt me a lot too. Not being able to be there to support him has eaten me up inside. I've not felt like this about someone before and have decided that it's one of two options. Either I've lost my mind or I am in fact in love with him. I'm not sure which one scares me the most. Both are equally terrifying. He's such an incredible person. Which brings us to now. I've spent two months running, eating healthy, lost a stone, been building my own business and now want to try and see if I can possibly figure out a path forward with him. I would rather stand in the rain with him than dance in the sunshine with anyone else. Um, At one point I suggested a phone call, but he closed up again and didn't reply. Yeah, so here's the questions then. Should I go to him? Should I walk away and let him go? Should I show him how much he means to me? Explain how I feel and that I'm here for him? Should I just be patient and wait? How should I support him through this? He is a proud man. He's very thoughtful and caring. And has said that he just wanted to protect me from this situation. So I think him pushing me away has partly been for me as well as for him. I wonder if perhaps... He doesn't want to show weakness or feels guilty for being happy with me with everything that's going on. Possibly. Anyway, that's basically it. Um, And also, Katrina, formerly Bianca, uh, does say, I know there are far worse off people out there. You see, I always say everything's, it's all perspective. So this is, this is your perspective or it's all relative sorry it's all relative and this is relative to you we can't be you know we can't keep apologising for um, she says uh, 2020 is the shit storm that keeps on giving and I'd love to try and end it with a positive story everyone loves a, rough, a love story right what are your thoughts well I tell you what Katrina Formerly Bianca. Um, I'm going to play the the chat I had with... We'll move on. Yeah. The chat I had with my guest today, uh, Erica. And then I'll come back with my thoughts. And also, if anybody's listening and would like to chip in with a few thoughts, um, maybe you've experienced of this, of something like this. I'm not the expert because I'm... A long time married now, lads. Um, 
but I have some thoughts and if you have thoughts as well uh, I'd love to hear from you my email address is keithwalsh.walsh at gmail.com or keithwalshpod at gmail.com both of those will do just fine Um. okay let's crack on then this is Erica Cody let me see what it says here about Erica Cody Erica Cody attended the Billy Barry Stage School this is her career and at her first ever live gig at the age of 15 as a support act for Wizkid who's Wizkid? Wizkid? Um, Wizkid is a Nigerian singer and songwriter he began recording music at the age of 11 and managed to release a collaborative album with the Glorious Five a group he and a couple of his church friends formed Wizkid's Kid signed a record deal with Empire Mates Entertainment in 2009. He rose to prominence after releasing Holla At Your Boy, a lead, the lead single from his debut studio album Superstar. Wow, there you go. That's Wizkid. Never heard of him. There you go. Check him out. Um, so she played the first gig at 15. Uh, she released Addicted in 2017. She played Longitude Electric Picnic as well as supporting Jesse J and On Vogue in 2018. She released her EP Leoness. April 2019. Her style has been described as close to that of TLC. Um, Cody's experiences of racism in Ireland led to her launching a campaign called Don't Touch My Hair, which we talk about a little bit uh, in the chat. She was one of the artists featured in Hot Press's lockdown sessions in April 2020. In 2020, she took part in the Black Lives Matter protests in Dublin and spoke publicly about racism uh, that she and others have experienced in Ireland. She also spoke about how her father's family in America had been affected by racism and prejudice. She was named one of Irish Country Magazine's Women Women to Watch in 2020. Um, She was part of Irish Women in Harmony 2020 uh, that recorded a version of Dreams in aid of the charity Safe Ireland which deals with domestic abuse which had reportedly significantly uh, reportedly risen significantly during the COVID-19 lockdown. Uh, a little bit about her personal life. Erica was born Erica Cody Kennedy Smith in the Rotunda Hospital. Hmm. Oh, getting all the details. Grew up in Baldoyle. Her mother is Irish and white. Her father is black from South Carolina. As a teenager, Cody had hoped to become a professional basketball player until an anterior cruciate ligament injury at the age of 18 ruled that out. So she uh, hopped off to BIM, uh, the music college in Dublin, studying vocals. Her new single is out, and we do we kick off straight away talking about the new single. It is called Calculated, and it is uh, a single she wrote and released and recorded with the help of Hair Squared, uh, which we've had we ha- would have had on a couple of times on the breakfast show back in the day. Um, I had a great chat with with Erica. Love talking to her. She's I've met her before, um, and got on very well with her. She's great crack she's a good laugh she's very serious about her her music and her art and but uh yeah just love chatting to her and i hope you'll enjoy the conversation uh, this is episode 23 with erica cody it rhymes meant to be that rhymes also okay i want to ca- i want to get all the gold you know what i mean <laughs> All the girls. We're recording straight away. Thanks very much. How's how was the vet visit? What was this? What was happening? Oh, so the dog has been vomiting and all that other 
kind of bullshit over the last couple of weeks. So I just have to get him checked out. And he had like a, he has like a callus on his elbow. That's like, it just started changing and I didn't like how it was looking. So I brought him down and all good. So yeah, he's in tip top shape, A plus otherwise with a few antibiotics. Ah, lovely. Uh, I brought, uh, I have Charlie here sitting at my feet and Charlie had to go to the vet. Charlie. <laughs> Char- Charlie had to go to the vet the other day and then the, the vet came out really quickly and I was like, oh, that was quick. Because now when you go to the vet, you wake up in the car park and you're not allowed into yeah, the building. Yeah. But they came out very quickly yeah. and they were like, oh yeah. And <laughs> I was like, that was quick. It must be grand. But they, they were bringing him out for me to put a muzzle on Charlie because Charlie had freaked out and tried to bite one of the people in the vet. Oh, you're joking. Yeah, and he's like, the qui- <gasps> he's like, he is the quietest dog you'd ever meet. Like, I was like, he's oh like, my God, that was gas. Yeah, so I had to put a muzzle well, on. That's not gas, obviously, if you tried to bite the bleeding uh, vet, Charlie. but you know yourself. Are you all right? Ah, sure, you're getting off with hard time. He had, um, he had a sore ear, and I think, they think he might have, uh... <laughs> look at him. Oh, <laughs> look, imagine, imagine him biting someone, you know what I mean? But uh, he had a he had a sore ear that they had to look at. So uh, that's like being bitten by okay. a being bitten by a cloud or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, Buddy hates the vet as well. Like when he had to, because obviously you can't go in with them. They have to go in and examine them themselves. So I was sitting in the car park, like waiting, and he was like literally scrawling the ground as if like he was being kidnapped or something. It was awful. But then he was grand. Terrible for them. Uh, let's let's jump straight yeah. in. Uh, let's talk about the new single, Calculator. Um, is it is it? Oh yeah. To make it with Hair Squared, as in, did they? Uh, are they? Is it just one? I listened to one version with Hair Squared mentioned in it. Did they? Is there just one version that they're on, yeah. or? Mm-hmm. So on the single, like the. There's only one version of calculated, and that's with them. Okay, hang on. I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn to off like my kind of coming in and out. So I'm just switching to I, my hotspot for my phone. Oh yeah, maybe that's it. I was going to say suggest. Yeah, we leave the cameras on for now, and hopefully that will work. Yeah. So, um, does that sound a bit better now? Yeah, much better. Yeah, you're still. Uh, your screen is frozen, so maybe we'll just close the. Yeah, so is yours. I'll close mine, and then we can. Okay, I'll stop the video. Then you won't be able to see me, which would probably be better. <laughs> Hold on. Um, and then if you turn it back on again, it might work. Okay, hang on. Am I still frozen? No, you're much better now. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah, we're back on. Uh, so, okay, tell us about Calculator. Tell us about the new single. Tell us everything. Yeah, so I well, I wrote it last year. I was going through a pretty weird time, um, and I kind of wrote it about the situation that I was in, and I didn't really, re- I didn't realize how toxic the situation I was in until I actually got out of it and was from the outside looking in, and I was like, wow, I actually shouldn't have been treated certain kinds of ways. Like I only treat people how I want to be treated, and that's respect. And I felt like there was a massive lack of that. And it was just, it was one of those songs that like usually when I'm going through something, it just kind of comes to me in a couple of minutes. Um, And this was one of those songs. And I was like, wow, I obviously have a lot to get off my chest. I didn't realize the way I was feeling uh, until my subconscious like literally wrote the song. Um, And it's just about, you know, like knowing your worth um, and not 
really having any expectations because I think when you have expectations, you just set yourself up for disappointment. Um, so that's kind of how I treat life now. So that was something I took out of that song was like, okay, well, listen, I'm not expecting anything from anything anymore. And I, and to be honest, even when it came to releasing this single, I was like, look, I've had this for a long time. We shot the video back in February. Then the world started blowing up and it was like, okay, other things need attention than me releasing music right now. And it just kind of got to the time in October where, well, it was obviously before October that I decided to release it, but I was like, now is the perfect time. Well, what what is the ideal time to do anything now anymore? Because everything's chopping and changing. And so I was like, look, I think there's so much negativity and there's so much stuff going on that we all are made process right now. I was like, I want to just do something that's positive. Um, and I had the song for a while and I was like, listen, if it can help someone going through something or being in a similar situation, that's how I like to write, that, that people can relate and take something from it. And then it just kind of evolved. I had the, I had it done by the end of last summer and then I was like, oh, it needs a rapper. And then I reached out to Lilo from Hair Squared. We've been friends for years and it just happened. You know, it was a really, it was a really great thing. I think especially when you're friends and music, um, it takes a while for you to usually do something together and it was something we always talked about we'd been demoing with each other for a while and I was like look I have this I think you could sound really sick on it do you want to jump on it and he was just like yeah and then he sent me his verse and that was it wow beautiful yeah. they're good they're, they seem like anytime I've encountered those lads they seem very very nice and very honest and very yeah. down to earth um, I be, are they in London now is that are they they've gone yeah they're in London now yeah um does that is that because of how difficult it is to try and be a musician in Ireland or try and make it maybe <laughs> in... I think they have a pretty big fan base in the UK um and the States. So I think it just made sense for them to be there. Uh I think their label is over there too. So it just makes sense, you know. Yeah. How difficult is it trying to be a musician in Ireland at the moment, trying to do what you do? Um, well, being a woman definitely is hard uh, in itself. Being a musician, um, but just I think just just being a woman, good. period. Just uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I feel like we do, <laughs> you know, we definitely have to work uh, that extra bit harder to get you know gatekeepers to open these doors for us. Um, but I think there's definitely been a massive shift, and there's been a like if anything I've seen is just that's why I was saying with this single I. I had no expectations for it because I was like, look, I'm just going to let the music speak, speak for itself. Um, and it's just, it's honestly just blown me away. Um, and it's exceeded any sort of expectations I would have previously set for myself. Um, so I think definitely with everything that's happened to Irish women in harmony wise this year, it was definitely the year of the Irish woman, I feel. Um, and it's definitely broken down a lot of barriers that we've wanted to talk about for a long time and just show that like, look, this isn't women against men. This is just to show that there's so many amazing Irish uh, women musicians, you know, that just, that can be in the same spots that, you know, um, a lot of these men are and, it's fine that we get to say that, you know, because I think we felt it for a long time that like, look, well, I don't think we're getting the same opportunities and it goes to show when we, when we're at festivals and, you know, there's only two or three of us on the same lineup and, you know, things like that. But I've definitely seen a massive shift um, since we've done all that. And like the reason we did it in the first place was to inspire uh, other young women who want to, you know, be in music and know that there is space for them because, 
even when I was growing up, the only other mixed race black woman I had to look up to here was Samantha Mumba. And uh, for and what me... A, and what a role model. I love Samantha Mumba. I met her for the first time, uh, I think it was like a year and a half ago. And I was like, oh my God. Like I, And I wouldn't usually get starstruck, but when I met her, I was like, oh my God, you actually like mean a lot to me. You know, <laughs> and yeah, so I think it's it, the message we wanted to really send was like, look, you can be yourself and you can get somewhere in this industry because you know it's a, it's full of subconsciously we're made to feel that it's full of comparison and that you know we're constantly fighting for a spot that we don't actually need to fight for that we should actually just all be represented because we all do do different things. You know, we're not all the same. We all tell our own stories, and we're all our own people. So I think it's it's so important for especially young Irish female musicians that want to pursue this know that like how many not only trailblazers we have but how many upcoming and amazing established music musicians that we have here to look up to you know um because this is the first time in a long time that I'm even seeing women of color being represented um on covers of magazines and you know in music and like I, I didn't have any of that when I was a kid you know I had to go elsewhere to to get influenced really and that was because I was so heavily influenced by 90s uh, R&B and hip-hop so all my influences were coming from the states mainly and some from the UK um so now I think we're finally getting to a place in Ireland where it's like okay we, we are we're quite a melting pot now you know we have everyone in every shape size color ethnicity religion you know there were everything um, so I, I, I just feel so strongly that that has to be represented and I'll always, you know, keep, keep that very close to my chest. It just seems to be like in Ireland, I don't know, it, I only know from living in Ireland, but we're so, we really want to put everything in a fucking box. Like we're, it's yeah. like, it's like we can't understand it unless, unless it's yeah. in a box. Like, cause I worked in radio for 20 odd years and you know, there's like, you know, they'd be trying to. Well, first of all, there was this, the, the, this apparently this scientific fact that people don't like listening to women on the radio or presenters. Then yeah. there, there was the belief that they don't like, you know, women singers as much. Like it was the bizarre things you come out like at the, yeah. same, the same radio station, or, you know, head would be saying, I ah, know young women singers, they don't have the same whatever as, you know, Westlife or mm -hmm. something. And yet they'd be playing fucking Tina Turner every second. So like. Just as <laughs> just bizarre rules or, or, or trying yeah. to push, trying to put a show together to meet a certain demographic and calling it urban just because mm -hmm. we don't know what else to call it. And uh, that's that seems to fit. We just call your urban. We don't know what that means. Exactly. Seems to fit. Words. So well, I never understood the words, to be honest. I'm just like. It's. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, all the other know? well, all other music is rural, you see. So all of the other songs are from the country. So your music is from the city. Your city yeah. people. Yeah. That you make yeah. urban yeah. urban beats. This is. Like, but I have to say, like with that said, like the support I've had from radio, even with this single, is like it's blown my mind. And to be honest, I'm very grateful for it. Um and. You know, it, it just it shows me that there is, you know, a real shift. Yes, and I agree. And it's brilliant, this, the, the, mm. the support you got. But, and I'm going to say this and you can correct me. I think that you realised that you had to, not that you, you, the music sometimes 
isn't enough for people, okay? And I know this from working in the entertainment industry. If I want to get a job in the television or on the radio, I kind of have to have a story as well, sort of. And it's, yeah. it's kind of cynical a little bit. Well, that's it, yeah, because everyone's story is so different. And that's what makes you different to the next artist because every single person has their own story. And I think we all get, especially me, like getting caught up in the comparison game and being like, oh, but like, why can't my, why can't that uh, be played on radio if that song's getting played on radio? And it's like everyone has their own story and it happens when it meant when it's meant to happen. And I think just really trusting the process and knowing that your time is someone else's time is not your time. Like your time will come, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come at the same time that someone else is succeeding, you know, and that's the hard part about this industry is that you have to wait and you have to wait a long time. They usually say there's seven to 10 years before behind every artist before they get a break, you know? Um, and that's, that's just the thing. It's like, it's so, it's sometimes I wonder, I'm like, why did I start doing this? I just love music and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you can't, you just can't escape from it. You can't, it's like, you get this, this bug. It's very, it's very hard to describe, but it keeps put like I always say to myself I'm only as good as my last game because when I was playing basketball that was like my mantra I was like well I'm only as good as like the last shot I took or the last layup I made or missed um and I treat music the same as well because I'm like I want to constantly evolve I constantly want to do better um and that's just that healthy competitiveness in me I suppose it's good yeah and you'll need it and you'll need you need the unfortunately it's not enough to just write good tunes and go into a studio mm-hmm. and, and and work with a good producer and make something nice that people might like and might speak to them and it, you need to really fucking push and push and push and, and get hard. get knocked it's back and, and i don't like i don't like like i spoke to ryan mack who would have gone to bim as well mm-hmm. um i don't like this thing of i don't like the idea that people are being told it's a fucking hard industry. And if you can't hand, you know, if you can't, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen, because I do think there's a lot of musicians that are a bit more fragile than some of us and actually can't handle the rejection. And mm-hmm. not, and it's not rejection because rejection is fine. It's yeah. the, the delivery of the rejection or the mm. offhand way in which it's, delivered or given and it's like and i and i know from working in radio it's like ah yeah you know that's we're done with you now yeah we're moving on to somebody else you fucking like Mm. it or like it or lump it and you're like well i actually feel like shit now you know yeah and that's the thing it's like i think especially when you get into this industry because it's so cutthroat and you're gonna probably hear a lot more no's than you'll hear yeses for me it's always been about perseverance like i'd take those no's and turn them into a yes like i'd use them as my motivation to do better and to evolve into the artist that i know that i want to be so i think the delivery yeah i i agree it's it's extremely you know to the point and to the fact like listen if you can't handle it get out of the kitchen and i've been in those positions where i'm like why did i start doing this like this is getting really tough and then when you persevere through and you see when you when you can see um what's the word i'm looking for the the negatives that you've turned into positives and have made something i made art out of to me that's the biggest result, um and it shows that like look you can it is going to be really really tough and that's just the reality of it like it's not easy it will literally like chew you up and spit you out if it wants to this industry as a whole and um, there is massive changes with that being said but I think it's always going to kind of have um that 
just that kind of quality to it, I suppose. And I think that's because everyone who works in the industry knows what it's like. And they're like, well, listen, it is tough. It's not easy. And there is people that think like, you know, it's, I'm just going to go to BIM for a year and then I'm going to be a pop star. And it's like, no, like you have to put in the work. Like I built my career out of college from the minute I got in there because I wanted to be better and I wanted to network and I wanted to be around like-minded people. Like that's what it takes. It doesn't just take, you know, writing one good song and then that being it. Like you need... 50 other songs to back up that one song because you need to keep going you need to keep rolling and it doesn't just happen like that it takes time and I think that's more so the angle that it that it comes from and maybe the delivery could be a bit different but I think there's always going to be that it's got it's always going to kind of be said in that context you know to really kind of get through to people because that's one thing that stuck with me as an artist was like look this is really tough. And this came from my dad. So my dad knew nothing about like music. He only had friends who maybe sang or whatever. Like he didn't know like the ins and outs. And he was like, look, from what I've heard, it's really tough. So like gear yourself up and like slap on a thick skin. And like there are things that he told me from a really young age, because not only did I want to be a singer, like I'm a young mixed race black woman as well. who wants to make music and it could be 10 times harder. And I'm opening myself up to the universe and trying to tell my story. So it was always like, slap on your thick skin and if you want to do this make it happen but also your father was a basketball player so he'd have seen I mean it's a different industry but very similar I'd imagine his story very similar yeah 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 he would have been in the media and done media training and all that kind of stuff and played for like Virginia Tech with like Steph Curry's dad and like all these top all-americans so like he knew uh what a profile could come with um and you know being put on um, well, he was definitely put on a pedal still in the States. So I think that's that's something that's always been instilled in me. And I think it was a, a little bit of tough love, but with nourishing, mm. with nourishment. Um, so I think coming from a competitive background, having played basketball for so many years and having a father like my father, just, I couldn't give up. I didn't want to give up. It just wasn't, it wasn't in my blood. I was like, I'm going to make this happen because this makes me happy. Like, this is something that, I'm passionate about and they say that like if you if you work some if you work in something that you love it'll never feel like a job and that was one thing that always took me from a kid as well was that like look my parents didn't make a hell of a lot of money but they loved what they did and that's what matters to me you know if I can do anything in this field with music um I'm happy out but first and foremost I want to you know share my music with the world yeah I think and and probably it sounds like a decision you made Mm -hmm. at some stage this year or late last year, whatever, that you you changed your idea of what success was and, and to mm. do things without expectation. It really changes how you mm. view things and how you view success or, you know, yeah. and, and, and you, like every little thing is a success then. You yeah, know, like, like small wins as much as your big wins, you but, know, because those small wins can help you get a big win too. So it's about, it's about balance and just really just sticking to your guns. And for me, this year alone, it's made me because th- I think with music, you're constantly evolving and you're you think you don't know what your next project's going to be or whatever. And then all of a sudden it takes one thing to happen for it to just kind of have a light bulb go off in your head. So for me, this year alone was just finding my sense of purpose and why I do what I do again. And um, because I think before the pandemic, I was so caught up in life, in music, what I was doing, where I was going and um, who I needed to meet, like all these things that really didn't matter as much as um mental my mental health and yeah. my family and being around those that I love because that was one thing I struggled with extremely uh this year in wake of everything that was going on so 
haven't come out of really negative situations I have to find a positive so mine was what's my purpose and why do I do what I do and it kind of brought me back to the drawing board and it was like well not only do you do it for yourself but you do it to to help others um, and you know talk about the things that you're passionate about whether it's love or it's racism or uh, anything uh, across the board so that's kind of kept me going because for a long time a period during the summer I was like I don't think I can do this. I really don't. I was just far too depressed and far too anxious to even think about music. Um, so to kind of get to a place by the end of the summer to be like, oh, I think I'm actually ready was a huge, um, was an absolutely huge step for me because I didn't think it would happen at all in the near future. And it did. And I'm starting to feel like myself again now that I've done that. Yeah. I'm that not- overtook everything away from every person in this industry. There was no more gigs. There was no more going to the studio. There was no more collaborating with your friends. All these things that you really need um, to nourish you. Because that's that's why we make music as well. Like it's it's therapeutic. Like music was my therapy and basketball was my outlet. So I had basketball stripped away from me the minute I got injured. And then the, then COVID came and took away, took away music. So I think I was kind of left like okay, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because this has to have some sort of meaning by the end of it and it has to have some sort of outcome. Um, and that was, it's in all the music that I've been writing lately, which I didn't think would be happening, which is, a, it's like a double-edged sword nearly, you know? But it seems like once everything is taken away, once it's all stripped out, once the gigs are gone, once the, <laughs> you know, unfortunately the money's gone or whatever it is, then you're left sitting on your own. To re- then you get a chance, then you get the space. And initially it's shock and initially it's grief and it's yeah. sadness and it's, it's it, you know, you and you feel sorry for yourself and you, and you have a right to feel sorry for yourself and you have to go through that. But then eventually yeah. you'll have a day where you get up and you go, okay, well, I still really want to do this. So why is that? Yeah. And, then, and then you start going, oh, now I have the space to really explore. And the process, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the thing that I, that personally I've started enjoying, which I never enjoyed before, is the process of things. Not the, not the end result, not mm-hmm. what's going to happen afterwards, but just being in it. Being the, the pro, I love it's doing this podcast. I, yeah, yeah. I, love, I love chatting to people. I love editing them. I love putting it up. I don't I don't really care what happens afterwards. I'm not looking for a number one podcast. I'm looking for to get something out of it myself. Yeah, yeah. And if people listen and they get something out, that's this whole other thing. That's not my exactly. responsibility. So it's, it's freeing, isn't it? 100%. It's cathartic in itself, especially when you're doing it for, you know, what you feel are the right reasons. And that's not for fame. It's not for money. It's for something that actually does something for yourself like when I write a song it just it's it's like this shift I could I could like I was feeling quite anxious yesterday and then I had um I had a session and I was it was kind of one of those days I was like I actually just want to sit in bed and just watch a series and not communicate with the world um and then I got myself up and I was like listen I'm gonna go into this session I'm gonna get something good out of it obviously it was over zoom um and then I just found like we were we were talking about what we're working on and stuff and then my producer, Alex uh, O'Keefe, he just started like playing this thing on his, this happens all the time with us is that he'll just play something and then it's like, oh my God, we've got another song. And it's just kind of one after the other. And it's, it's a process I didn't think would happen for a very long time. So to constantly be going in and getting something out um, and not knowing what's going to happen with it, I think is what's, 
fun what's fun about it I suppose because you're like oh this is the unknown but it's just making me feel really good so I'm just gonna stay where I am doing what I'm doing because it's actually doing me the world of good mm. um and it'll be ready when it's ready but I'm not under any pressure and I'm not I'm not putting it out for the sake of putting it out I'm writing it now and it actually might make even more sense a year from now so tell us about uh, calculated then going back a little bit because you didn't really yeah. get into it. So and, and I don't I don't mind if you don't want to talk about it. That's fine. But what was the situation? <laughs> what was was it, it seemed like a very specific situation? Was it is it terribly yeah, personal? Yeah, uh, Well, it was extremely personal. I won't get too much into it because I think you know the person. Well, the situation it was written around it would definitely you know strike a chord with someone involved. Okay. Um, but it was just kind of about breaking away and just looking from the outside in at a situation you thought was something and it wasn't that at all. Um, and realizing that you're being, it was very, actually- you're being very vague. You're being very vague. <laughs> what, are you, what are you covering up here? Come on. Come on. I'm, your, I, I'm, the, ter- I'm the therapist it's, it's here. Do you know, it's like it was quite calculating. I didn't think things were adding up. It wasn't making sense. Um. I didn't understand what I was doing that was causing so-and-so to act this way or say things that weren't true. So it took for me to totally remove myself and know my worth and being sure in myself and knowing that, you know, I haven't actually done anything wrong here. Cause I think when you're being told you did something that you didn't, it's like, but I, I didn't actually do that. Like, and then you start, you start doubting yourself and it was about stripping away that doubt and being like, no, I know I haven't done anything wrong. And as someone as who suffers with anxiety as well, it was like, I was like obviously in panic mode. And I was like, what about this and the other, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I sat back and the more I spoke about it with different people, they were like, Eric, you've like, no, like this, this is not your, your doing. And it is what it is. But at the same time, it taught me a lot about life and where I want to spend my time and who I want to spend it with. Um, and I'm just delighted I got a great song out of it, to be honest. You know, with every negative comes a positive. And luckily I've come out the other side of that and I can look at it for what it is. And I know I won't, you know, get myself involved in any sort of situations like that again. Your eyes are opened. But it, it is that thing yeah. of t- turning your disappointments into opportunities. I know that's a kind of a, totally. a hackneyed phrase. Every setback but... has a comeback, you know. Uh, I truly believe in that like and I, that again it's so funny how much of my basketball life comes into my career life now uh, with music so it's like you'd get set back from getting like a little niggle in your um in your ankle or you know you'd you'd hurt your shoulder from taking a free throw or something like that um and those are little setbacks they make you stronger because you want to come back better and you want to come back stronger to show your opponents like look I'm, I'm like, I can take this, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to just back down because of one thing I'm going to keep going. Like, I'm not going to stop. Um, so I treat this the same way. It's like, things will happen. Like that's life. There's going to be a million bumps in the road when we go through life. Um, so I'm, I'm just like, well, if it's going to teach me something, I'm like, come on. So tell me about your injuries. Was the cruciate ligament that sort of. Yeah. I did my age. Yeah. Oh, that's so. Yeah, I feel so sad for you. I mean, is it hard to talk, <laughs> is it hard to talk about? No. <laughs> if if anything, it was a blessing in disguise, Keith, because Why? I was juggling so much at such a young age. Like I'd always like since I was a kid, I'd been doing. I'd be going from basketball training to a showcase, or from 
a show or from a rehearsal to basketball. So it was like, the, that was all I knew was just juggling the two of these all my life because I loved them so much. And then when I got into my teens, life started kicking in and was like, huh, okay, Erica, you're going to have to actually start making decisions here now. You know, you can't, you can't do this forever. Like you're going to, there's going to come a day where you're going to be out of college. There's going to come a day where, you know, you might get injured in basketball. Like, what's it going to be? And I always knew that it would be music. I genuinely did. It was just something in my heart that was like, this is just what you're meant to do. That's what I felt my purpose was. And basketball was just something I really wanted to hold on to in any capacity that I could. And I think by the time, because I thought about going to the States in transition year, spending a year there in high school, getting myself ready if I wanted to go to college. Um, and everything just started moving so quickly. And my dad was like, well, coach is going to come over and have a look and send your tapes over and blah, blah, blah. And in my head, I was just like, I just don't, I think this is someone else's dream. I don't want to take that away from someone, that spot. Um, and then as I got older, then I was 17, I was in fifth year, fifth, sixth year, talked to my guidance counselor about going to the States, um, you know, all, all going through everything, the credentials I need, um, sitting in our office and like really making moves to go. And it just didn't see, it was nearly a bit of an outer body experience because I didn't really feel like it was happening. I always knew I was still going to be here in some sense. And then I heard about BIM. And then like my dad was kind of helping get in the wheels of motion about college and stuff like that. And maybe looking at getting recruiters over and stuff. And I was just, it just kind of hit me one day and I was like, dad, I actually don't want to go. And like, luckily he's one of those parents that's like, look, whatever makes you happy, I'll fully support you. But I do think you have a real shot at opening a lot of doors through basketball. Um, Because obviously basketball in the States is huge. And, you know, if you're, if you're good enough, you know, it can probably get you somewhere. And I knew I was one of the best at the time for my age um, here playing Super League and stuff. So I was like, mm, it's going to be a whole different ball game over there. You know, I'm not going to be... It's not going to be plain sailing. Um, so for me, I was like, well, listen, I can stay here, go to BIM, have a scholarship with DIT, because uh, that's where BIM's accredited through, um, and and still play Super League and try and make a career and set my mark here and then see see what happens. And that's exactly what I did. And it, to be honest, it was the best decision I made because I was not ready to up and move my whole life over to the States Um because I knew that if I wasn't a scholarship in the States that it would take all of my time. I, I wouldn't just be able to, especially if I, if I was on a scholarship, um, it would have been in the gym 24 seven, you know, that's what you put your all into. You have to, cause they're paying for you to go to, to play and to study. So for me, I was like, well, I can sit here and, you know, gig and do all the things that I really want to do while playing Super League. So in my head, I had the best of both worlds and I was like, well, I'm just going to make it work you know eventually I'll get to the states and I'd like it to be just through music and not through basketball um but then again I'm like I've, I've gotten to a point in my life now I'm like I'm not putting put myself in a box anymore if I want to do something I'm going to do it and if it nourishes me and makes me happy I'm going to do it because I think you know you can the lines can kind of get blurred sometimes you're like oh but I can't do that because then people will think I'm not and it's like no like if it, if it makes you happy and like life is just so short I don't want to live with any regrets you know I want to do things that actually make me really happy um and you weren't like was there part of it and i don't mean this in a kind of a because obviously your dad 
obviously sounds like a very sound man, but was there part of you wanting to do it for your dad, kind of, you know, the way we all, the way, the, the way we all do a little bit, you know, we all kind of want to do something kind 100%. of. 100%. Yeah. And I, I think in my head, I was, I always dreamt of, you know, living the American dream and blah, 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 and living with my family in South Carolina. And I think when I visited there, it was a total culture shock because it's not something I'm used to. I'm not used to being in a predominantly black area. Um, I'm not used to, it just being different. It was just different. It was different to home from down from the food to everything. And I, I felt like when I went there, I definitely met my tribe. Um, and I felt really comfortable, like a different kind of comfort that I, I wouldn't necessarily feel here, I suppose, because here you're more of a minority than you are in the States. Um, so, well, yeah, it's, it, it, again, it's like, it's just because it's so populated it's like and where I was was just majority black Um, I remember we went to the mall and I was just like wow like this is it's great you know it's it's mad well it's great because I'm just not even I'm coming from Ireland like it's such a small place like Ireland could fit into South Carolina like four times it's insane and it just wasn't I just wasn't ready to take that leap yet um and do it on my own because you know my mom was still here my dad was still here uh my family was still here my little brother was just born and I was like you know what I think as much as I hate that I'm not doing this a little bit for my dad because I know he's he'd only be honest with me about my potential and stuff and and I know he really sees something in this but it's just not the time. It's not my time to do this now. And I I was very content with that. Once I made that decision, I was like, yep, yeah, I'm staying. I'm not going anywhere. And when I do go, it'll be, I'm going on a tour or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. It's still well, hard though. It's bad. Yeah. I uh, felt happy because you want to, you always want to make your parents proud. Course, and yeah. I think it, it eventually got to my dad when he started like, you know, seeing me on the news and listening to my music and kind of seeing a little spot spotlight put on me, I suppose. He was like, oh, okay. I get what you're doing now, you know? And I think it was the same for my granddad. Like when he saw me on the 6-1 news from like Electric Picnic, he was like, oh my God, all my friends are talking about you in the pub. Like you must be doing something, you know? <laughs> and I was like, well, I've been at this since I was 16. It's been a minute, but you get there in the end, you know, I'm still going. Was that Electric Picnic, uh, was that when you were on, was that the 2FM gig? Or? Yeah. How was that? Because I, I was in the tent watching that and I just thought uh, yeah. I was absolutely blown away. Because you see, you have to be ready for opportunities, don't you? You have to be. 100%. Like, that's like, what you give yourself up for. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you th- and that's when like I'm looking at things that I did this year or last year or whatever. And I'm, it doesn't feel real because you get, so you set yourself up to achieve that. So when you achieve it, people are like, Oh my God, that's such a big deal. And then it's like, I've worked for this. You know, I've, I expect things like this to, I want it. That's what I want to attract. And that's what I want to do. Yes. It's a big deal, but I can't, it's hard to see it for what it is when you're in it, you know, and it's something that you've thought about for years. But seeing the, seeing the effort it takes to get a level of performance seeing that firsthand myself see not not for me i've never been able to reach a level of performance like that but and then and then witnessing it on stage and kind of knowing the people involved i was like holy fuck this is mm. i mean it was just amazing anyway yeah when you when you were approached with the idea and they asked you to get involved were you yeah. like holy fuck or were you like did you not yeah. know that it was going to be big or did you think oh this is 
did you think it was like what did you think well when that was like literally sat on a plate in front of me and was like listen we need you for this I was like well I'm not saying no do you know what I mean like this is a huge opportunity to be put on a stage like this singing all of my favorite songs that I grew up listening to so if that's how I approached it you know I was just treating this as something that was an amazing opportunity and I was doing something that I loved so that was a plus but the fact that it was something that was that meant so much to me um so having been asked firstly was an honor because I was like okay well this is deadly it's about time we started you know showcasing hip-hop and you know over here especially because you know Ireland's so Indian stuff it's there's been a massive change with that said obviously um but I think that's with the change of what pop music is now and stuff as well and pop music at that time as well was starting to become more hip-hop and R&B with the likes of Drake Amigos and Post Malone and you know uh, Nicki Minaj and Cardi B like that's where the shift is happening because it's becoming more pop than hip-hop if that makes sense but it's obviously it's obviously still hip-hop but it's become more mainstream I think is what I'm trying to say um, I remember working in a bar in Dublin uh, in the nineties, late nineties, early two thousand. Could have been nineteen ninety nine actually. Yeah. And I was I was working with this young guy who's a bit younger than me, and I I was like, I I'm totally like grow, guitar bands all my life, yeah. indie, alternative, you know, all that, you know. I I won't even get into it, but <laughs> I was working with this guy, and he was going out one night, and I said, "Where are you going?" He said, uh, "I'm I'm going to see Destiny's Child." And I was like, Destiny's Child, the, the band with the three girls in it, the, the R&B band. <laughs> he was like, yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, God. Are, you, are you going because someone's making you go? <laughs> like, no, I like the music. I like, I and I was like <laughs> but I was like, I, I, I feel so, you know, looking back now. So it was so, um, I mean, I grew up on pop music, like in the 80s. Yeah, I loved yeah. pop music. I love pop yeah. bands, but I couldn't get my head around the fact that a young, because we were so... It was just after Manchester. It was all about Oasis. It was all about... Yeah, and like, especially with Ireland, like we've such amazing trailblazer bands that, you know, like rock bands. So it's hard, like, it's just because it's so, they're so big, it's hard to not see them and be a fan, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? So it's just instilled in our culture. It was just an eye-opener for me because he was younger than me. So obviously I wasn't aware, (laughs) I wasn't aware what younger people were listening to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When I, when I say I, I, he was younger than me, I was in my twenties. He was young twenties. Okay. But but it, it was just before I started working in radio, and I started working in spin, which would have been classified as pop, urban, whatever. That yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I was just like, oh shit, right? Okay, I need to fucking get my shit together here because <laughs> younger people are listening to or R and B or you know, because yeah. I, I would have liked hip hop, and I listened to Ice Cube, and I listened to yeah. But but predator, do you know what I mean? Uh, so uh, it was just it, I just remember that moment. I was going, "Are you you're going to see Destiny's Child because you want to?" <laughs> and it made me it, it made me shift, shift shift my thinking. But there you go. But you you took that opportunity to do that show with the two of I can't even remember what it was called. It was I know it was story hip hop. What was the story of hip hop? Yes, of course. Yeah, I should have remembered. There you um, go. But you, you really like took it to another level. You didn't just there's some like, and and I'm not going to have a go at Irish bands here, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes Irish bands can be the uh, reasons for their own 
failures and down because they're so like I could imagine some and I, this is a terrible thing to say <laughs> but, but, oh, God. But, but my experience of being involved in music as a young man is like we were we we wouldn't do shit we didn't want to do and if like we could be like I'm fucking doing that it's fucking very like picky about what we would or wouldn't get involved in or you know just like but yeah but um really uh, uh it's probably to do with our insecurities ultimately do you know what I mean we're not getting involved in this conversation (laughs) so some people might have turned their noses up at something like that uh oh 100 and i was really impressed by how not only did you say yes not only did you take it on but you really fucking knocked it out of the park like you know that was a plan as i said i'm only as good as my last game this was a massive stage i was being put on in front of the nation i suppose we were doing the festival circuit it was getting played on radio um like still to this day so it's like i was like well i'm not gonna fuck this up do you know what i mean like i'm gonna give it my all and i want it to be good like i'm not gonna not do brandy and monica justice when i sing the boy is mine that's one of my favorite songs of all time i'm gonna make sure that i give my due diligence and i make it sound amazing in the best way i can you know um because not every day you get to sing the boy is mine with the with an actual harp and an actual orchestra so for me like I remember when we did it for the first time and I just looked at Jess and I was just like oh my god and there was like a tear that was just falling down my face and I was like wow that's like that's next level like you don't get to do that every day it's once in a lifetime that you get to sing with an orchestra and it's even slimmer when you're an R&B hip hop artist. Well, R&B artist in my, in my sense. Um, and then for the lads being rappers was like, when, like, when are we going to get to do this again? Like, we just have to, you know, soak it up in all its glory now because we don't know when we're going to get to do it again, you know? But also it was, you know, for me looking at it, I was like, you know, I was in a band when I was young and I remember us having a massive argument about whether to do a to cover Nirvana smells like teen spirit because some of the lads didn't want to do it because it was in the charts and we were selling out, you know? Okay. Okay. That's where most Irish bands are coming from. Do you know what I mean? We're so worried about selling out and uh, you know, how our peers will see us and what something will, but, but anyway, but you made that festival in that, like that was the highlight of the festival. That was the highlight. Yeah. And I remember seeing us on, sorry. uh, I remember seeing us on the tickets and I was like, ticket like I couldn't believe I was like we were front page of the tickets mm. and I think for that was like okay I, I think I'm ready now to you know have people people are obviously listening to hip-hop normally and they love it so I want to be that for people I, I don't see I never really had that R&B Irish superstar I suppose to look up to here that was like it was only Samantha Mumba and she was pop Mm. you know and she broke the states and the uk so i was like well like i want to do that why can't i do that but it was beautiful to see because sometimes in our in in the irish music industry yeah it can be up its own hole and sometimes with you know places like electric picnic and festivals and the people who write about Mm -hmm. those things they can believe that something that if somebody said to them we're going to get an orchestra and we're going to get the best of irish performers up to perform you know the greatest songs hip-hop songs of all time and they might you know snub their nose you don't have to agree or disagree I thought it was a beautiful thing because it was like not that it was because in a very sort of like like 
it's like, and this is going to sound bad, but in a very kind of like the exact opposite to punk rock, it was a very kind of punk thing to do. I, do I, an electric I, picnic. Do you know what I mean? It was the it was the exact opposite to what people would expect from electric picnic, and they might have turned their nose up it. And you fucking and you made that weekend. You were the like mm-hmm. people are probably still talking about. It. There's people who went were in that tent and still talk about it and that's like a massive memory for so many people you know do you know what i'm trying to say no i get what you're trying to say and you know the massive part of that is the nostalgia people love nostalgia and bringing it all the way back to like the 80s and then the 90s with hip-hop and the r&b tunes that we were doing they're like they were songs that made it mainstream that made music uh, like hip hop and R&B what it is today. Like these were all the trailblazers that we started with and then we finished with the new stuff. So I think that's what was so captivating about it was, you know, here, like when I heard Brandy and Monica, the boys mine for the first time, like imagine what it's like hearing on the other side of someone who's not a musician and just loved that song and is at a festival and hears at a festival. That's like, it's indescribable Mm. really. And I think nostalgia is one thing that people always hold on to because it always reminds them of at a certain part of their life and brings them straight back. Like there's songs that I listen to now that just bring me straight back in time um, and to a moment. So I think that it did that for a lot of people. And I think that's why it was so memorable. But there was an honesty with it as well. There was an honesty yeah. in the crowd. There was an honesty in the performance. Yeah. The crowd were there because they're just fucking in that moment or having the time yeah. of their lives. I was standing yeah. sort of just outside the tent. And I, I would see these people walking and they were walking. And this, when they got close to the tent, they'd hear this. And they, you literally just see yeah, them running. running yeah, oh, so good. Running towards the tent going, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, like people, yeah. you, know, you know, like when you hear a song on the dance floor, it was like that. but. Yeah on a massive scale, just people running towards this tent and just an honesty in, in people just enjoying it. There was no snobbery about it. There was no, nobody mm-hmm. was, it was just like an honest performance, brilliant performance and the crowd would just loved it. And it was just, it was, mm-hmm. it was great. It was, it was, I loved it. It was, it was deadly. hats yeah, it was off. Deadly moment I'll never forget. Hats off. Um, do you, uh, I, I actually, we did a thing for Christmas. Was it, was it, was it Christmas oh before God. last? So funny. Was it last, that was last Christmas? Year. Was it? Yeah. Jeez, that sun's very bright. Um, You're very yeah, bright that was last year. Yeah, very bright. It's a bit of a pain, but it is what it is. I was, uh, and I remember telling my boss at the time, uh, I was saying, because he would be, would have been aware of you. Yeah. Because of the hip hop uh, story show. And uh, I was saying, Eric is fucking, I was like, you need to get, you need to get her on the radio. She, you should be. <laughs> You should be presenting a breakfast show <laughs> on the radio. Have you ever have you ever thought about it? Is there anything that have you ever thought about presenting or or or, or doing anything? Well, definitely like that? in the realm of music. I've I think because you know how I was saying I always want to evolve and I want to uh, do things within this industry. Uh, first and foremost, it's always going to be music, hands down. But with that said, I'm like, who am I to put myself in a box? If I'm so uh, vocal about telling other people, like, listen, just be yourself and do what makes you happy in life and blah, blah, blah. I need to do that for myself and I need to take my own advice. But definitely, uh, well, that that alone is a dream of mine. Um, so it's, I don't, it's one of those things, I don't know when it's going to come. If it happens, it happens. I'd be super grateful. And, you know, I think what's meant for you doesn't pass you. And... I'd be delighted to have my own show because it's just given me a chance to do it, do what I love, but in a different capacity. Um, I could put on, you know, people like 
Irish music in the scene that you know doesn't get heard and stuff like that and you know make it my own but sure look it's what's I'm down for anything nowadays do you know what I mean like I've learned to not take anything for granted anymore uh since corona you have time now you've time now to put your put your tape together and get <laughs> get the tape in there and say I want to be the breakfast show presenter now the <laughs> Now I think you do a great music show as well, but a breakfast show would be yeah. slightly different because it, yeah. it, it's that's more about your personality. Like when when you're, yeah. when I did the breakfast show mostly for twenty years. You'd, I don't even really hear any because the music is like you're so worried about everything else that you don't even get to hear them. Yeah. You don't get to enjoy it anyway. Yeah. But yeah, but I th- I just thought your 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 personality, your ability really? to yeah, your ability to absolutely take the piss out of me was <laughs> sub- was superb. I was. <laughs> that was quite funny though but i have to say now we did aid each other on that now we, we oh no t- hey it was it was totally uh <laughs> it was brilliant it was great there was no holes hard. any opportunity for me to talk i'm always down for do you know what i mean mm. i never say no well there you go that's uh i'm just just telling you i'm just telling you i i said it to the boss i don't know why he didn't he was like oh yeah oh yeah so maybe maybe, maybe. When you want to put your, you know, when you want to put your breakfast show tape together, give me a shout and I'll give you a hand. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's, um, I, uh, what's the, the don't touch my hair thing? Cause I was reading yeah. a little bit about, mm-hmm. about you in interviews and, uh, there's one interview where the headline is don't touch my hair, introducing Eric yeah. Coley, the next, the rising star of hip hop. Uh, it's, it was Stella magazine. Sorry. What's the, is the don't touch my hair. Yeah, so, oh no, so it comes from the song, from my song, Where You're Really From. Okay. Um, and when I wrote that song, it was the last song to go on my EP because I just, I, I kind of wrote it in like the last couple of months um, leading up to the release. And I was like, listen, this song has to be on it. And it was something that I wanted to talk about for a very long time. Um, and I knew it was, I knew I wasn't the only person who felt that way about, you know, the microaggressions and, you know, the constant touching of your hair in public and people going past you on a bike and grabbing your hair and asking you where you're really from when you tell them, like looking from the north side, but no, where are you really from? And it's like when I kind of put those two things hand in hand and it was like, well, don't touch my hair and don't touch my story because everyone's story is so different. And it was one of those things that I was like, I'm very lucky and I'm very privileged to know where I come from and my heritage and my history. Not everybody has that privilege. There's people who are adopted that don't know where they come from. There's people in situations where they don't, they don't, you know, have good relationships with people in their family or um, that side of their story. So for me, it was like, it, it was about setting boundaries and making it, making people know it's not okay to, be microaggressive with people of color and make them feel different to how much they already feel to have been made feel different throughout their life. Cause me growing up as mixed race black in a very small town, I was the only person of color here for a very long time, uh, myself and my dad. So it was one of those things that I was saying earlier on, my dad was just like slap on a thick skin. Cause this is something we're just gonna have to get on with and deal with. Like it's never gonna be solved. And I think everything that happened then this year was like, oh my God, people are actually listening. Like, what the hell is going on? Um, so it was kind of like everyone got hit with the kitchen sink. And it was a lot, especially for uh, people of colour to digest too, because, you know, you prepare yourself for not 
for not having this conversation with people and for people to actually listen and want to do better um but just from my own journey like it was physical and emotional when I was a kid um the like what I went through and stuff so it brought up a lot of PTSD for me and it it came out in a way that was like it triggered a lot in me uh, mental health wise I'd never felt depressed before and then all of a sudden I couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't leave my house for two months um so it was you you just kind of you lose faith a little bit like I felt like I lost faith and in things to get better because when you're a kid and you're going through these things and someone pushes you into into a wall and you lose your two front teeth it's like and nothing there's no repercussions just oh that person comes from a, a disadvantaged background is you know it's not good enough um because these are kids minds and the reality is at stake. So for me, it was just a bit like, what? Like, this is okay. I just need a moment to process this because this is mad. Um, and having experienced it with my dad and stuff, like not so much. He used to just tell me about like his experiences here instead of the States. Cause to be honest, I wasn't ready to hear the stuff that went on with him in America, especially in South Carolina. So I think my heart will always lie with my family in the States when it comes to this topic. Um, but I'm not there. I can only do what I can here um, with the platform that I've been given and with the talent that I've been blessed with, which is music, to share that message and how I feel. And I'll always use, you know, my platform for the greater good, especially when it's when it involves things that mean so much to me and my family and that they genuinely go through. That's so deeply rooted in our history. Um, so it's hard for me to to just be like, oh, like, it's just in Ireland. It's like, I'm always going to have my heart in the States when it comes to this issue because hearing what my family go through over there is just insane. Um, but with that said, I'm always going to do what I can to show that, like, look, racism doesn't have any borders. It's very alive here too, now more than ever because this conversation is happening, you know? And I think we 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 like to see as humans we like to see the good more so than the bad so I think especially here in Ireland we've just been kind of putting a, a plaster over it and just been like oh no that's not real like the amount of times I've been in situations with people who've been casually racist and have been racist in my presence and I sit there and say nothing because I, d- I don't want to hear the excuses that they're going to give me for calling me the n-word or for grabbing my hair and making a comment about my appearance um so that's why I do what I do. I want to make it better for, you know, my little brother, my little brother's six. Um, I don't want him to have to go through what I went through in school. And that that happens through education and having these uncomfortable conversations, as everyone says. Um, and that's only a fraction of what it feels like if you're not a person of colour, um, to, compared to if you are a person of colour and you have to deal with a lot more things that are a lot more uncomfortable than just having a conversation about race. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting because we're recording this the day America's deciding, well, counting the votes. Yeah. Uh, hoping that Donald Trump doesn't get a second term and we'll keep our mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Probably not yeah. something we have time to really get into. Oh, God, we'd be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, stop. He hates Donald Trump. He hates Donald Trump. Sorry, I, won't... <laughs> I shouldn't say the words Donald Trump. Don't Charlie, relax. Uh, Charlie, it's okay. I won't, say, I won't say his name again. He's left. He's gone. He hates, he hates when I said Donald Trump. Oh my God, that's so funny. Donald Trump. 
he's gone. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 now. Look, just keep. Uh, I won't keep you much longer. But obviously, the thing is to, to to keep talking about, keep talk, keep doing what you're doing, keep talking about it because that's what we need. I was listening to a podcast today, actually, Blind yeah. Boy, Blind Boy's podcast. I didn't listen to it, but he was interviewing a guy called Mon- Moncon McGon. Moncon mm. McGann, who's an Irish speaker, he has a book out called 32 Words for River, I think it is. Okay. That's very interesting. But he talks about the history of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And the theory is that we actually came, us as Irish people, modern Irish people, actually came from North Africa. Um, so it is wow. interesting that people in this country feel like telling people who should be here and who shouldn't be here and who should be allowed in, who shouldn't be allowed in when... We probably exactly. we probably came from Africa in the first place. But... The thing Imelda said it before, and I'll I'll keep screaming this quote from the rooftops: "You do not get to be racist and Irish." No, you don't. No. Like I'm sorry, yeah, I'm so blessed that I'm mixed race, and I've so much history. You know, I have history from my own family in South Carolina to my family here. Um, there's just so much of it like I've learned so much throughout this whole year in general like even finding out that my great-grandfather my dad's grandfather was shot and killed by a white supremacist cop he was an umpire at a baseball game you know and it, it's it's mad because it's just so close to home and you have to you have to digest all this and you're like well that's always going to sit with me because my struggles are not as half as bad as what people in America face, um, black people in America face and mixed race people. So, but here it's still bad and it still obviously triggers a lot inside of my own brain um, with this all coming up. So, you know, it's doing something um, and I'll always just use my voice and my platform for the greater good because again, my purpose, what is my purpose? It's to do what I love and spread a message um, and help those that I think could can relate you know and it, it just I mean it just ultimately like and it's all relative as well like whether yeah. you're in America whether you're in Ireland it's it's all relative 100%. It's, it's the fact that somebody has decided and it's it's arbitrary that you've decided that someone who has different hair a different accent yeah. a different language different skin color yeah. is somewhat inferior different superior whatever why why would you just why would you need to decide that and you know and it always comes down to your own feelings of insecurity and 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 you know Mm. and and ultimately that's what it is but i mean we we you know for a long time we didn't have anybody uh of color and living in this country but we we would have we were we would have fought the lads in the next town anyway, you know, because we would have hate, know, we would have found we would have found someone to hate, you know. Don't you? Don't but you? That, like, do you know what it is? Is that like I find it so funny when these like far right racists are like go back to your own country or Ireland belongs to the Irish. It's like, but I'm Irish. I was literally born in the Rotunda. Like, what more do you need to know? Like, when you say that Ireland belongs to the Irish, you're saying Ireland belongs to the white, and you're clearly not doing enough research in your own history because you I'm sorry you don't actually have the privilege to even say that but also who gives a fuck like it's not like hang on a second it's it's not that great you know what I mean it's like <laughs> Ireland's okay like but we don't like come on in it's fine you know why are you yeah, so why are you, off why do you know what I mean like we've ripped that band-aid off with every with the marches with everything so what I'm sorry you, you just have to deal with it 
what are you protecting? You know, and usually you're kind of, what are you protecting? Literally. Your, your gaff, is it? You don't want anyone in your gaff. You want to, what? what? You don't want anybody, like, think about it. What are you trying to protect? What are you, but look, it's, oh, it, no, it's our culture. We want to protect our culture because if people come from, if too many people come from Africa, where that's where they're all coming from. I, I, I interviewed them um, on my podcast. I had a guy I met when I was over in, um, in Kenya and he, he was a former street kid okay. and he gave me a tour of, of uh, Nairobi, downtown Nairobi, which is shocking, sh- wow. shocking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how these, how people live like that. And, you know, they, they do. And as I said, it's relative and they're, you know, I'm sure if you asked them, they were fine. And they, they but for me, it was a shock. And he yeah. explained how he grew up as a street kid without his parents and had to make, you know, and, make make do and it was a life of crime basically but i had him on and i had him on the podcast and i just put out monday but the reason i had him on was because there seems to be this belief that everybody who lives you know below the equator in africa is trying to get to ireland you know to live here like they all want that none of them want to live in kenya they all want to live in ireland all of them like what why would you, why is Ireland so fucking brilliant that, that people are going to risk life and limb? Like, and also, the reason I, I got him on was because I was like, these people, they can't even, they can't even live, leave downtown Nairobi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let alone, like, what would they do? Like, gather up all their belongings and start walking towards Ireland? It's insane. It's insane that people even believe that, that it's a thing. Because it, it's absolutely isn't a thing. Anybody just wants their own country to be better. That's all they ever want. And sometimes people are driven out because of a corrupt government or war or whatever that they've, they've had to go through. That's the only reason people leave. And it's trying to get that across. Like People like that don't want to listen, though. They, they're so far set in their own agenda in their heads that nothing can change their opinion. So I don't even waste my breath with people like that. There okay. Here's a terrible take. Here, oh. oh, go on. Sorry, yeah, go, sorry on. go on. No, go on. You here's, go on. A ter- here's a terrible take, right? Yeah. I'm going to say it anyway. With slavery, okay, in America, you could see why they wanted to they wanted to make it seem like people of color were lesser than us, okay? Because the, it's it suited the white slave owners to say that these people are, are aren't as good as us, and that's what and it, it was okay. For, it was good for the conscience, but also it was good for business. They made a lot of money out of it. Because they didn't have to pay people to, to, to do the work, okay? That's why, you know, that's why the Civil War happened and all that kind of stuff. It makes, it kind of makes sense. It Which? Does not, it does not make any sense to me. No. Somebody living in Darndale has an issue with people of a different skin colour coming into this country or someone in Newbridge or whatever. I'm just picking a place. Yeah. What, what are they getting out of it? Like, it's not like... I, I just can't make sense of anybody wanting to be racist. I think it's really embarrassing that people actually feel it's okay to come out with their little racist holes and spread so much hate. Like we're only, we're all human beings here. We all have hearts and we all, well, some people, I'm, that's very questionable with the hearts thing. Um, but at this, like we all want to, in some capacity, live in a better world together. So the division I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I just it just blows my mind that people think it's actually okay to be racist and to spew racist propaganda. 
but you're but these people are so clever about what's right and what's wrong with their own country and what what you know we need to hold out oh, yeah. but they still can't see that the reason that they that it's that they they're believing this this myth that they've been told by slave owners mm-hmm. who needed to who needed to tell you that you know people of color were were less than because that would allow them to have that's the only reason we think this and people won't even open their minds and you don't want to hear it because that's all they they want to believe like they they don't want to know the truth that's what they're saying that's why people who have those ideologies are like it's fake like the news is fake news Mm. the news is not fake news do you know what i mean but as in like you don't you don't want to believe this because you you want to believe the bullshit you've been fed yeah, because you, that's the kind of world you want to live in, but you don't live in that world, so that's why you're so angry. Because that that's your ideal world, but that's not an ideal world because people actually have conscience, like have a conscience mm. and know what's right from wrong. But when people like that are so far set in that mindset, nothing else matters to yeah. them. Yeah. You're like, it's my opinion and no one else. It's like, you know, it's. It's scary. Like mindsets like that scare me, but at the same time, it's like, well, I just I know that I'm going to bed at night with a very clear conscience, and I'm not racist, and I'm not homophobic, and I'm not transphobic, and I'm not anti-women. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm sorry they can get stuffed for all I care. Like if anything, they must have really bad sleeps. But I, I couldn't think of anything worse than not having to go. Not be able to sleep. That's the word. Yeah, like that's, that's awful. That's like torture. But also this thing, and, and I had a bit of it on Twitter. I said something. I I might have said the wrong thing, and I got attacked by a few different people. Mm. And the, the big thing was like, you know, this sort of uh, erasing of Irish culture, and and you're like, like what? Are they gonna? Are they gonna? Are we? Are we gonna stop playing hurling? Are we gonna stop playing Gaelic? What? What are we? What's? what's and these are sports that are. That are celebrated across the globe, like but also Catholic. also sports that were only invented about like only properly like we, it's not like the GA was only set up like 120 years ago. It's not yeah. even not even that old. Like we're talking like we came over from Africa 2,000 years ago. You know what I mean? Relax. We're only yeah. starting. We're only getting going. We're only getting going. But that's the thing. And you know what? That's why I'm so hopeful. I have to be hopeful because I'm like, whatever negative comes positive. And I really do feel that with everything that we've achieved in this country within the last five years from the both the referendums we've had, it just goes to show that people are ready and willing for change. You know, we, we don't want all that other old bullshit that just doesn't work and segregates people and does not treat people with the dignity, dignity and the respect they deserve, whether they're gay or whether they're straight or whether they're women. We don't want all those old ideologies anymore. You know, we want... We want a better society for everyone to feel comfortable. We don't, no one wants segregation. And I think that definitely showed during the, uh, I was gobsmacked after I saw the protests, the, the amount of people that showed up for the Black Lives Matters protest. And that was a thing that was like, that had to be done. I, I was cocooning with my granddad. I'm high risk. That I, I can't believe that we're still protesting for things like racism. You know, and it's like, oh, but the amount of people I had saying, oh, but like, you shouldn't have gone out. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm like, I know we're in the middle of a pandemic. Look what's happening in Poland right now. People are risking their lives to fight for their rights. Mm, that's how important There's no quite a wrong time to fight for your rights. I'm mm. sorry. 
and the majority of people that told me were white. So I'm sorry, it doesn't, I'm sorry, like this is my life and my family's lives and my friends' lives. Like it, it usually takes for people in a position of white privilege to know somebody with who is a person of color to learn something. Um, now I'm not going to say everybody that has reached out to me has learned something, but the majority of people who did reach out to me that were scolding me for going to going to the protest or whatever was they didn't care. Like they didn't. I don't think it really clicked. Yeah. Um, and listen, I didn't want to be out protesting in the middle of a pandemic either, risking my health and my grandfather's health. But it is like it's something that I have to do, and it's something that those women in Poland have to do. Yeah, because you're. Te- it's been stripped away from you. And I think with with that and with what's happened in Poland and the way that has that conversation has suddenly gone and with the, there's, they're looking at in Poland, they're thinking we need to change the law now because, mm. you know, people have spoken. It, you do it for change. It does work. I'm not doing it for the crack. Do you think I want to be out protesting about racism for the crack? I really don't. Like, I really don't. You were just looking for an excuse to get out of the house. I know. <laughs> I couldn't even leave my house, uh, Keith, because I'm so anxious. Like, that's like my anxiety this year has been so bad like so bad and I think especially with this virus is like it's 10 times worse like I still don't go out unless I have to go out do you know what I mean yeah and even after the, that protest and stuff I quarantined up in my room for two weeks and didn't go near my grandfather just because I was so and I, the thing is everyone's wearing masks and tried to be of course yeah yeah, yeah. look at yeah, us no, look we did we, we we know we know everybody involved did the best they could and and yeah. that's how important it was that's how important it was that's how important it was when you're cocooning for two weeks what what box sets did you watch anything worth mentioning oh, any highlights um, oh my god i started watching um see i just love trashy tv yeah go on yeah i love i love it so it was a lot of like teen mom we're not going to um, judge you here women um oh what's oh this morning just like getting into a dark hole with this morning videos of like the most random stuff um i watched like literally five seasons of orphan black which is mental um and obviously like real housewives that's my show um so yeah it was just a lot of that and i tried to read i'm not a great reader um, I'm a bit of a lazy reader, so you know, I, I tried. I ordered a book and stuff, but it was a book I actually enjoyed, so I have actually been reading that. But Don't Touch My Hair by Emma DeBerry. Oh, very good. Um, but no, yeah, other than that, I was just playing with my dogs, going around to the brain, playing a bit of fetch. Now, they're brutal at fetch because they just literally want to hold the ball in their mouth together. Um, do you think you could make it as a do you think you could make it as a pro fetch player sometime in the future? If my dog's cooperated, yeah. Listen, best of luck with uh what's the net what's next now with the so if the single came out and, and and obviously you can't tour the single and you can't yeah you can't gig and 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 I presume you've dates for next year, fingers crossed and all that kind of stuff. What's the fingers crossed? Um for now I I, you know, I said to myself from I think it was July July, August. It was like the end of the start of uh, mid-August, I'd say, that I was starting to kind of feel myself again after like, oh, just going through a whirlwind of emotions. Um, is what I, I don't know what else to call it. Because um, I, oh, I don't know. But I think it just kind of made me think, hey, 
you're gonna have to stop feeling sorry for yourself at some point Erica I know you're depressed and you're extremely anxious but you're gonna have to I always have that in my head when I'm in those moods is that I have to find some way to get myself out of it um, and whether that's actually pulling myself up off the bed um, and even just like washing my face or going downstairs to make a breakfast and not waiting until two or three o'clock um, but though, having that mindset I'm very like okay I can't keep feeling sorry for myself I know I know I'm battling against myself right now but I can't this can't continue something has to come out of this something good has to come out of this so I just said from the end of August to the start of um for Christmas for that whole period I want to just spend it releasing and writing music um I'm mainly just focusing on writing because I already had this single good to go since like February so I was like well I want to put that out first because I think everybody needs a bit of a lift and music is one of those things that brings everyone together um so yeah just focusing on my new material as I was saying like with that one single you need 50 other songs to back it up so it's just those 50 other songs that I'm working on right now 50 songs that's gonna be that's gonna be a big album that's gonna be a (laughs) Something like this. Then again, you might only see five of them. Do you know what I mean? You just never know. Well, listen. Uh, thanks for taking the time out of your 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 busy recording schedule and writing schedule. And thanks very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Playing fetch schedule. <laughs> um, uh, best of luck with everything, and uh, it's nice to chat to you. And sure, look, I'll hopefully see you. I don't I know so. at, a fe- at a festival at some stage or something. And, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I'd love to say see you soon, but I don't think I will be seeing you soon. So I'm just going to keep it real. Do you know what I mean? Hopefully, though. Hopefully. See you, see you never. Let's just sign off like that. S- sign off like that. See you never, Eric. See you never, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a million. Oh, no, thanks so much. That was really nice. That was nice great. to talk to someone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What's that? It's nice to actually talk to Yeah, someone. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was nice to, nice. But sure, it was great to talk to you. Thanks very much for. For agreeing to do it and taking the time out, and so we eventually got there. I'll get you on. I'll get you on. I'll get you presenting a breakfast show yet. Never know. Never know. Tell you. <laughs> okay. Good luck. <laughs> See you oh, later. Listen, listen. Yeah. Say thanks to your dad. I I was a big fan of basketball as a young lad. Were you? Well, now hang on a second. Now I'm not going to be specific about this, but it, it, late eighties, early nineties. I lived in Athlone. And we used to go down to the gym. Yes. Uh, I can't even remember what the Athlone team were called. They, but we used to watch, and a lot of, and it was great. Just the the people like your dad playing in in that yeah. league, like it was just great to see. I mean, we loved it. It was exciting. It was these were like superstars. And yeah, well, when they came over here, that's how they were seen. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And they would have been among a lot of the first black people to come over here alongside those who were coming over to study in like the RCSI, Royal College of Surgeons. So, which is mad because there was a shift there. Like my dad and them were seen as celebrities and then the others were just seen as people coming to steal jobs, Mm. which is bizarre. So, you know, it's that unconscious bias as well that people are having to realize is like, oh, it's a massive learning curve for everyone. It is, yeah. But uh, I, I, I enjoyed, uh, I, I just have fond memories of watching basketball back then. So just say thanks to yeah. your dad. Say thanks to your dad. Uh, no that's it. I'll let you go. You're so good, Keith. Thanks so much. And hopefully, I mean this now, and hopefully I do see you soon. <laughs> you don't mean that. You're just saying that because you feel bad. 
<laughs> Good luck. See you later. Bye, 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 bye. Thank you very much to Eric Cody. Thanks for being a guest. Thanks for being so nice. And uh, thanks for the music, as they say. Best of luck with everything. Um, we will talk again, I'm sure. Eric Cody, make sure you go out and uh, find her music on Spotify or wherever you listen to your music. Um, follow her on her social medias and uh, support her whatever whatever way you can it's a difficult time for the old musicians and, and artists at the moment so whatever you can do buy her music, buy everyone's music that's my advice thanks very much to Eric Cody um, and I just want to mention uh, the name of the single is Calculated go and buy it and then watch out for all her other stuff and then buy that as well great thank you very much right um just to finish up i'm going to try and give my thoughts on this letter i read out before my chat with erica and this is from i've changed her name to as i said i had difficulty finding a made-up name but i've gone i'd gone for katrina i'd initially picked bianca and then i thought don't know don't know why i don't don't know why i changed it i don't know um I'm an overthinker, that's why. Um, so, I did get back to her, and and I said, and I'll try and remember now what I said. Um, yeah, I literally said, um, the difficulty here is that she might, well, there's a couple of things. Because of the way this relationship developed, she's not. She didn't get a real sense of how it might have been or how it might have developed if certain things hadn't happened, or if we weren't in these, you know, weird times. Like I was trying to say to her, like maybe you would have gone out for a few months and maybe it might have just fizzled out, you know. But because of the way things have panned out it might just seem like this is he's the one this is the love of her life and is she going to miss out and um is she going to miss out on you know meeting the one and being with him for the with her for the rest of his life there the rest of her life um so that's one thing to think about you don't need to think about that really but just to bear it in mind the other thing then is she can't control what he does so my advice rightly or wrongly and it's just my opinion so correct me if you think I'm wrong um, is just to look after herself and do what she's been doing look after herself look after her own thing kind of needs to get on with her life and what will be will be she has I think let him know how she feels I think he knows and the, you know, it's it, the decision is with him now. She needs to move on. She needs to. She needs to control what she can control. She can't control him, his decisions, his thoughts. However much, and we've all been in that situation where we really want to make that other person make the decision that we want them to make. You can't do that. It doesn't work like that. Um. It never works like that. So my advice was you just need to keep doing what you're doing focus on yourself control what you can't control um, you know and start keep living life and keep doing the things you're doing and if it's meant to be it's meant to be 
but ultimately control the things you can control. If you have better uh, advice and you'd like to get in touch, or if you'd like if you'd, you'd like me to address something, uh, I can be your agony uncle. Uh, KeithWalsh.Walsh at gmail.com is the email address, or KeithWalshPod at gmail.com. Either of those will get me, and I'd love to hear from you. Um, that's it. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, do recommend to a friend to rate the podcast. Um, tell everybody about it. Go nuts. Hire a plane with those things hanging out the back of it to keep watch podcast. But wait till it's till the COVID is over and there's loads of people on the beach. And then it used to always happen near the beach, didn't it? When there's lots of people on the beach, they'd send the plane past and be like buy HB ice creams or something like that that's why I remember it anyway or else it was like Club 92 or some disco anyway I kind of digress uh, as I said thanks for listening I'm going to just sign off really quickly now with a quick goodbye and thank you and mind yourselves and good luck definitely signing off now goodbye <laughs>